I just have a sense of, you know, this person really embodies the brand. Yes, their content is beautiful, but beyond that, I know that they are incredibly hardworking, incredibly professional, and they really love this brand. And that I think is a key part of a successful partnership is really getting to know the person. I mean, it's, it's like dating, right? You're on a, I met my husband on Tinder, so I can say this. You're, you're on a dating app and you see a picture and they look great, but you need to, you need to date a little. Now, my guest today is not only a dear friend, but an awesome PR and influencer marketing consultant specializing in prestige beauty. Meg Young has over a decade of PR experience, working with two of the industry's most prestigious beauty agencies, as well as leading the in-house PR efforts for luxury beauty brands such as Kate Somerville Skincare and Jouer Cosmetics. Through her years of experience working in New York and LA, Meg has established a vast network of authentic relationships with top editors, influencers, makeup artists, celebrities, publicists, and managers on both coasts. In 2018, Meg founded Meg Young Media Group, a PR and influencer marketing consultancy specializing in beauty. Now, have you subscribed to the Influencer Podcast yet on Stitcher, iTunes, all the places? Well, if not, please make sure to do so as I don't want you to miss an episode. Also, make sure to screenshot this episode today on your phone. Tag me on your Instagram stories if you hang out there at Jules Solomon and our guest at Meg S. Young and hashtag the Influencer Podcast to let us know why you're joining in today and what you loved about today's episode so we can share your screenshots on our stories as well. If you're wanting even more TIP goodness after the episodes, then you gotta meet us over on Facebook. That's right, we have an incredible Facebook community of over 6,000 other listeners that go in each and every day to help each other up-level their business. You can visit facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash The Influencer Podcast to be a part of this amazing community. Welcome to The Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Hi, Meg. It's so awesome to have you here with us today. Hi, Julie. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I know. One of my favorite, favorite LA women here with us. I love you so much. Um, And I'm just, I want to dive into it. I mean, you have had such a rich career. I mean, you have been able to work with some of the best of the best when it comes to beauty and skincare and Just uh, share with us a little bit about that journey. I mean, I know that you started on the East Coast, you found your way to the West Coast and what that journey has been like to grow kind of in what would have originally been more of a traditional, um, a traditional type of career, but because of social media and influencer marketing, you know, you really having to lead this innovative path of how that kind of transitioned. Well, I, I began my career on the East Coast. I am originally from um, New York and New Jersey, and I started on the agency side in New York. Um, I started with a, an agency called Allison Broad, which at the time when I started about 11 years ago was really, I would say, one of the top two beauty agencies. Um, I, I got my job. I always <laughs> like to say this, even though it's so many years ago now. Um, because I, I think it's still um, a, a great 
tool and, and tip for people looking for, um, for jobs and starting their career. I actually, um, was really interested in the agency. I, um, ended up emailing HR and asked if they were hiring. They said they were not. And, um, I asked if I could set up an informational interview and I went in for this informational interview and then it ended up turning out that they in fact were hiring. And then three more interviews later, I got the job. So, um, it was really exciting. I, um, I initially, um, wanted fashion and I, uh, had an opportunity to start on the the beauty side. And it was funny because I, I enjoyed beauty, but, um, I was not the girl who was, you know, shopping up and down the Sephora aisles and knew every brand. And I really just wanted to get my foot in the door. But um, as you know, life turns out, I feel like you're led down paths you're meant to go down. And, um, you know, I'm so thrilled that I've been able to work in the beauty space. So after a few years at, um, Allison Broad, I went to another agency in New York where I had the great opportunity to, um, lead their beauty division at a fairly young age. And that opportunity really kind of allowed me to tap into this entrepreneurial side that I, at the time, didn't know that I had. And it was, I had a lot of um, autonomy to find new clients and um, lead the strategies and really, you know, in a lot of ways, run the show within that beauty department, which was um, an incredible learning experience. And, um, you know, at that point in my career, I'd been doing PR for about six years and, uh, I really felt like I wanted to get more involved with the brand from just, you know, here are the launches now get the products out there. And, um, I wanted to learn more about how the marketing teams and sales teams and product development teams were working. So, um, a former client of mine who I know a brand, you know, well, I think that's where I was maybe when we connected, I don't exactly remember when, but, um, Jouet Cosmetics, um, they, were LA based. And I reached out to the founder and asked her if she knew anyone looking for PR in LA. And she said, well, I'd love to work with you again. So that's what brought me to LA. I was the PR director over there for about three years. And then Kate Somerville, I think as we're chatting, that's where you and I connected. Um, then Kate Somerville came calling and, um, I moved on to Kate Somerville, where I had the opportunity for um, just under four years to oversee uh, the PR for Kate. So I started on the agency side, then was in-house for two amazing brands. And then as of today, I, you know, in the last year plus, I've been um, my own, uh, I started my own business, my own consultancy. So, um, I've kind of gone back to working with a variety of clients, but when I started my company, which is Meg Young Media Group, I really did it because I saw the value of brands having somebody in-house versus an external agency. And I, you know, I'd worked on both sides of it. And with so much of the landscape changing, you know, it wasn't when I began my career, it really was traditional media. It was about, you know, getting the Vogue magazine placement, the New York Post column. And um, when I moved to LA around that time is when the influencer world started to become a much bigger piece of the puzzle. And um, I think I felt the value that I added to Jouet and to Kate Somerville 
was really that the brands had such a personal connection with um, these influencers and also makeup artists who are influencers in their own right. And um, I saw what agencies charged and I saw the results that the brands were receiving. And I felt like there was an opportunity to, to bridge that gap and offer brands that kind of in-house level of service, feeling like you're much more involved and, and, you know, weighing in on what does the packaging look like and timelines from, you know, product development and marketing, like what is a marketing strategy and how can we really support that from a PR standpoint? Um, and also really giving brands, again, that personal connection to influencers and to makeup artists and to editors. Um, so I started my own consultancy and I've been able to work with Kate Somerville and Jouet Cosmetics and Lancer Skincare and some really incredible brands. And so that's where I am today. Yeah. And I think it's just so unique because you've, you know, you've worked both coasts, you were, you've worked with a ton of a variety of different, really incredible, sustainable, very well-known companies. And so you have a unique perspective, I think, on just the take of, like you said, with agency side, with in-house side, and then just working with influencers. So I would love to know, how have you seen changes and or shifts, if you will, of how these kinds of companies approach influencers? I mean, obviously it was going to be different from in the beginning stages, kind of what that looked like versus kind of what you see now. I would love for you to walk us through that. Sure. Yeah. It's evolved so much. And actually it's funny when I, when I began my career, I remember asking for some more responsibility because, you know, assistant level PR is a lot of, um, admin work. And I was kind of given the job of creating the, at the time, the blog list that nobody else wanted to do, <laughs> um, which actually ended up being an advantage because a lot of some of the early influencers, I, you know, was establishing relationships when a lot of brands, you know, and, and PRs maybe weren't giving them, you know, the attention that, that they're receiving today, but it's, it's evolved tremendously. I think it really does vary on the brand. Um, some brands who have been around for many years, um, you know, still really value, I think the traditional, um, media placement. So there's still, there's still a cachet of, you know, you're in the glossy pages of a Vogue or an InStyle. Um, and I think that there's, there's absolute value for that because, um, you know, retailers like to see that. Mm -hmm. And certainly, um, I, I think it's, you know, something great to have, uh, as a brand founder to frame that glossy page, um, digital media has become much bigger in terms of the Vogue.com or, you know, um, bustle pop sugar. Um, so that's probably in the media space where most of my brands are focusing. And obviously there's so much more opportunities there for, um, the level and the number of press placements you can receive, um, because of the lead times, of course, but influencers, I would say as of 2019, every brand is it's on their radar. Um, I think there are still brands that have done, um, which I'm surprised by that haven't done a lot with influencers and want to do more. And then there are of course, brands who spend probably, you know, 50% of their marketing budget is going to paid partnerships. But with that, I, I think it really varies. There's, you know, there's a lot of in-between in how brands are, um, are engaging 
with influencers. And I, I always recommend to all of my clients, um, it's really 360. You need all of it. This, this world is always evolving. And it's certainly, I would say in the last five, 10 years changed, you know, dramatically. Um, that said, I don't think you should focus 100% on influencers. I don't think you should, you know, not include them in a PR strategy. I think it's really important to include traditional media with that print broadcast, digital media. And then of course, influencer marketing is, is a piece of that. And then depending on the brand's um, customer base on what, you know, their strategy is, some of those pieces are going to be a larger percentage of the pie than others. But I really do think it's so important to focus on, on all of those different areas. And from your experience of working with various beauty brands um, and skincare companies, how has been your approach that you have seen like this is the way that I see good success and good return on investment for both ends when working with influencers. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business business for sponsoring the show. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. How does that kind of evolve, that, that relationship and that buildup of going from 
we're going to test this person out and however way that may look to, we're going to do a partnership with this person. Definitely. So I, I always establish, I should say this. I have always had a personal relationship with any of the influencers that, um, the brands I've, I've worked with, have partnered with, have paid to partner with. Um, the reason for that is I feel it's incredibly important to know that person beyond just the content that you see on, on their Instagram page or on their blog or on their YouTube channel. And I can tell a lot about, you know, about that person through, through meeting them, you know, one time, three times, whatever it might be. And I, I just have a sense of, you know, this person really embodies the brand. Yes, their content is beautiful, but beyond that, I know that they are incredibly hardworking, incredibly professional, and they really love this brand. And that I think is a key part of a successful partnership is really getting to know the person. I mean, it, it's, it's like dating, right? You're on a, right. I met my husband on Tinder, so I can say this, you're, you're on a dating app and you see a picture and they look great, but you need to, you need to date a little, you need to get to know who they are. I think it's been successful on both ends because generally, you know, I'm the point person for the brand and the, the influencer we're partnering with also has a, a, a level of trust with me as I do them. Um, so that is, uh, definitely something I, I, I recommend, um, if you're an influencer and you have an agent, you can absolutely still establish a personal relationship with a, a PR. And, um, I think that's incredibly valuable because the, the publicist is oftentimes the one who's making the decision about who we're working with. Um, so then, you know, in addition to kind of what you can see visually from the influencer, what, you know, content might look like, you also then know, okay, this person I know always delivers. They always put in a hundred percent. It's not just about a paycheck and slapping something up there. We, we know that it's going to be really quality and also somebody that we want to work with. I think just like an employer wants to hire somebody that's going to be a long-term partner for a brand and somebody who really, um, works well with other team members. I think, I think it's really very similar. You want to work with somebody you enjoy working with, who's respectful, who's professional. Um, and I know that might sound silly, but I've, I've done it the other end where we've, we've partnered with people just to make a quick decision and they've not been successful. So the long-term relationships are really that in, I suppose, any relationship, um, you know, personally or professionally is really about getting to know them and then, um, finding something that, that works, that clicks, that the aesthetic is on brand, um, and, and really kind of sustaining that. Yeah. And what was coming up for me in that moment too, is really about that long-term partnership piece, because I think a lot of times some influencers just look at it as like a one and done situation. Like I'm going to work with this brand and I'm off to the next and I'm off to the next and not really kind of, um, placing any sort of attention or value on the intentionality or of building that relationship. And, um, could you kind of walk us through, um, you know, what it, what it kind of looks like from your perspective of working with an influencer from, for a longer term partnerships, you know, is it, is it events? Is it social media activations? Kind of what does that look like that you have seen that this is where we really see good success, whether that's in, in terms of awareness or conversion? Sure. 
So that definitely varies. Um, obviously, the brand, the brand's strategy and priorities, um, and also who the influencer is, of course, and you know um, what platforms may or may not work best for them. I I would say for long term, I think what today in today's landscape, what I think is most impactful, if it's beyond just you know a post or ongoing posts on Instagram. When I started doing paid partnerships with probably, I would say about two, three years ago, because most of the brands I worked with were very much focused on organic and let's, you know, really establish these authentic organic relationships and, and not pay and get as far as, as we can with people promoting the product because they genuinely love it. And, um, so when I started doing paid, it was very much the one post, one hit, let's pay and and um, and get an Instagram post and a couple of stories. And I, I think the results from that generally were some, you know, some nice engagement, some great content you could repurpose, but there wasn't necessarily the correlation to sales. Um, what I'm seeing now with brands is it's the repetition of the messaging that is really converting to sales which I would say is probably most brands' number one priority. They want awareness and therefore sales ultimately resulting from that. And it's actually the same method as traditional PR has always been, um, where I, I, in so many meetings with new clients, you, um, you tell them, you know, it's about the repetition. PR should not be, you should never invest in PR if you're, expecting to see the return on your investment, you know, three times over. Mm-hmm. It's about that brand awareness. It's about creating that halo effect and then sales will result from that. And if you're in a financial position where you need that return, then now is not the time for PR. I think you can focus on marketing and sales and and do as much internally as you can. Um, PR is really for a brand who's at a place where they say, we are going to invest and maybe it is a little bit of a stretch, but we know that the overall goal is awareness. And then that will, you know, in turn trickle down. Um, so maybe it took in, you know, the early mid two thousands took somebody watching, um, you know, the today show and seeing a product and reading a magazine and then reading another magazine before they purchased it. And I think in, in the world of influencers, it's the same. It's, seeing that influencer. Okay. I heard them talk about, I heard Julie talk about this cream. It sounds like she, she loves it. And then two weeks later, Oh, there it is again. And then, you know, two months later, wow, she's still using it and her skin looks amazing. So it's about that consistent repetition of method that I think is really what's the, the most, um, important tool for conversion. Mm. So that's, that's what I would say is the, the key to a successful partnership is just being consistent with, with messaging. And instead of, if it's a beauty brand, uh, um, we'll we'll chat beauty since that's sort of my area of expertise, but a beauty brand that has 25 products in the range, don't let that partnership, you know, cover 12 of them focus, focus on three 
because it's very confusing. Otherwise you want like, these are the three products we want to focus on and, or focus on one. And I think that's really where you see the best return. And it also just feels the most authentic. Yeah. And I love that tip for, for anyone who's listening that has a brand, because I think a lot of times we, we talk about the perspective of the influencer, but it's also the perspective of the business owner and the perspective of the brand, like how to best work with influencers. Um, how do you find from, from your perspective of, of, of what you do now, how, cause you, you had said earlier that you, it's, it's really about working with someone that you have built a personal relationship with. How do you go about initially building that? I mean, obviously you may meet certain people at events or various things. Do you ever like scroll social media and find people who you really like their feed and then, you know, start to kind of build it from there? Or is it more like you meet through someone and that sort of thing? I scroll social media all the time, more than I would care to admit. (laughs) And I have probably on my phone right now, a hundred plus screenshots of pages to, to go back to. Um, and then I usually airdrop them to my computer. And then when I got some downtime, which is why I have over a (laughs) hundred, I go through them. Um, so yes, definitely. I scroll through a lot of people I find through people existing in my network. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a lot of PR colleagues in the industry. So I'll see, you know, one of my friends in New York hosting an event and I'll look at who they invited and, I generally work with um, prestige beauty brands, so I'll also take a look at you know who is attending the, these events or who's working with uh, a similar brand in the prestige beauty world, and um, that's another way I find them. Um, also, I, I do of course get a lot of outreach headed my way, and um, that's a great way to, you know, obviously as an influencer to connect with a brand is to reach out. And I highly encourage everyone to do that and not be shy. Um, so it's, it's a lot of that. I think at this, at this stage, I, you, and I'm sure you feel the same, Julie, you, you go to the events and it feels like, you know, almost everyone in the, in the circuit, but you don't because there's still so many more people. Um, but it is, it does feel a little bit in the LA beauty space sometimes like, Oh gosh, it's such a, a small, um, a small industry. Um, but that said, there's, there's so many more and what I'm really looking to do now. And I, I know a lot of my brands are on board is to, branch out beyond LA and New York. And and those are certainly the hubs for, you know, New York, very much the traditional, you know, media hub. Um, when I moved to LA seven, eight years ago, um, I remember a lot of PRs kind of thinking, you know, wishing me well and thinking, we'll see you back here in Mm. a couple years because there wasn't a lot happening out here. Um, And I felt like I was a big fish in a small pond going from being a small fish in a huge pond in New York. And then all of a sudden the influencer world blew up in LA. And then it was as if every hot new brand was coming from LA. And now I think it's really, it's really shifted. But, um, so brands have kind of continued to focus on New York and then of course are focusing on LA, um, for the reasons we just mentioned, but I, I've noticed a shift of 
the, the LA, the New York influencers, um, are not the only influencers and there are so many incredible, um, influencers around the, the, the country, around the globe who are speaking to potentially very different customers and a very different audience. And, um, you know, it's important to target a variety of, of people and not just go after the same, the same, um, influencers who are kind of getting all, all of the, the same, attending the same event circuit and, you know, maybe getting a lot of the partnerships. So there's a lot of value in that. And I've been spending a lot of time of trying to branch out and find, um, influencers in different States and Mm -hmm. cities. Can you walk us through also the process from a brand's perspective? Because I think that there can be a lot of assumptions or confusions on this of like, you know, you know, do you need to be a celebrity to get a, to get a partnership? Do you need to be a big macro influencer with hundreds of thousands or millions of followers to get a a partnership? Or can you be more of a micro influencer and have, but you know, have a small, but mighty, um, engaged audience in order to work with brands consistently? What has been your, um, experience with that? Yeah. So I've, that's a great question. Um, and I, again, I do think it does vary by the brand because different brands have different priorities. And I know a lot of my PR peers say, say the same thing that I'm going to share of there is a lot of education, um, that's needed to, especially in big companies that are, you know, uh, owned by brands that are owned by larger companies. Right. Some mm-hmm. of the, uh, senior level people may not be as of course, and they're not meant to, it's really the the PR marketing teams to stay up to date with the very ever changing landscape, but who may not be aware of, you know, importance of engagement, say over follower size or importance of, uh, content being on brand. Um, maybe even I like to sort of call them social tastemakers. And, um, I categorize this group as, um, influencers who are not necessarily making their livelihood out of being an influencer. So, um, for example, um, a dear friend of mine, Kelly Levesque, who is a nutritionist. I know, you know, Kelly be well by Kelly. She is, a nutritionist. She is a a dietitian. I don't want to get wrong what her correct title is. So forgive me, Kelly, if you're listening, but I I mean, that, that is her livelihood. She's studied. She's incredibly well-researched on everything she does. She uses Instagram as a platform, which has been an incredible platform for her. She's a, an author with another book coming out. So her, you know, her career is really first, you know, as, as being a nutritionist and then the influencer part of it has kind of come part of that. So she's somebody who I would put, or Gray Malin, another one, the uh, incredible photographer who is an incredible person. And, you know, he's become an influencer, but he's, he's first a photographer. So I've actually, and I mentioned those both because I've partnered with them both on brands and, um, for events, uh, for, you know, you know, promoting products. And, um, I've identified them because they're not necessarily the people who are always talking about skincare, say Mm -hmm. they're talking about, you know, um, 
very different things like home decor or, you know, fitness and, and diet. And I think there's a level of, of trust when they're talking about something that's in a different category. Um, so I always think social tastemakers are, I kind of peel them out of that group. And, um, and so you don't necessarily need going back to your question. You don't necessarily need that large following. It's kind of about who is your, your audience. And, um, if the brand wants to reach them. So for Kelly, if it's a, a very, um, clean beauty brand, they really might want to reach, you know, her following and, um, same with Gray. maybe, you know, he, his prints are, are in not inexpensive. So it's a prestige brand that says, Hey, this is an affluent customer and we want to reach them. So, um, I think it's, it's probably first about your audience and then, um, your content. And then of course, engagement helps and following helps too. But engagement, I would always put before following. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because, you know, I think about that a lot with people I know that they're, you know, maybe they're an author first or a business leader or a personal trainer, or as you know, mentioned with Gray, a photographer or a chef or or what have you. But because they have built that know, like, and trust, and they've built this amazing community on social media because of the work that they do, then they do have, it's like influencer adjacent, you know, like they do have this component that they, they are influencing a lot. You know, people trust what they have to say. They want to know how they're living their life. They want to know what they use to, you know, the day in and day out to make their life a little healthier, better, easier. So, um, I think that that's a great thing to remember that you don't have to be your, I don't even want to say traditional because influencers are so there's no such thing as a traditional influencer yet, but kind of your idea of someone that like all they do is partnerships, all they do is affiliate, you know, marketing, you know, they're, they're your traditional YouTuber, blogger, social media influencer type of thing. There's actually people that are going out creating their, in their own businesses, their own products, their own services, their own programs. And then because of that, start to build an influence in and of itself. So I think that's a really interesting perspective. Um, Meg, what does influence mean to you? So influence, I think is the ability to change somebody's thoughts or, or actions. Um, how you do that, um, is obviously there's, there's many different ways of doing that. And, um, I, I personally really look for influencers who maybe it is fashion and, and, or beauty, which, you know, we could argue is somewhat superficial of way of doing it, but the influencers who go, I guess, beyond that. And it's like, yes, I am, I'm focused on beauty. I'm focused on fashion, but my ultimate goal is really to make people feel better. Um, so that's another thing. A lot of the brands I work with, and I'm very, very strategic with the brands I partner with because it's a big part of who I am personally. Um, I want to make sure that there's, there's a heart to the brand. And, uh, and a lot of the reason I work with, you know, beauty too, is kind of, um, how are we helping people? And at Kate Somerville, that was it key part of the message is, you know, transformation through skincare to transform kind of who you are and how you feel about yourself. Um, so I went a little bit off 
off track there. But um, I, yes, I, I think that when we look to partner with influencers as well, um, most of the brands I look for, look for somebody who's kind of beyond the just a beautiful picture of a dress. And maybe there's a message behind that, or maybe somebody who's going through a really tough time and sharing that. Um, I think that's a, an incredibly important thing to do in today's world, because I think it can become very um, surface level and going beyond that is, is something that is hugely important. Mm-hmm. Thank you for okay. that. I appreciate it. Um, if you had one piece of advice to give to a brand that may be listening and one piece of advice to give to an influencer that may be listening when it comes to really building partnerships that are purpose-driven and that can stand the test of time and that can be more longer term and more sustainable and really more beneficial to both parties, what would that be? Mm, That's a great question. Um, I would say again, I think, um, the relationship is so, so important. Um, and I think really kind of having that in place before any partnership begins and taking the time to really, um, get to know the brand, to really get to know the influencer and having, um, just be again, beyond the, this brand is coming my way and they're offering, you know, a a great, a great paycheck for this partnership is really kind of making sure that that connection is there. So it feels authentic and you can continue to have that relationship long-term. Meg, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your thoughts and your wisdom. And, you know, just, it's such great, amazing results-driven information and very applicable information for people to go and to be able to use in the work that they're doing. So I so appreciate that. And then where can people find you online and find more about your work and Meg Young Media Group? So we're at megyoungmedia.com and then at Meg Young Media. Awesome. Thank you so much, Meg, for being here today. I so appreciate it. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the Influencer Podcast, and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right. I will see you again, same time, same place next week. Next time on the Influencer Podcast. When a trauma happens, it it changes us. Literally, it changes us. It causes a chemical change in our DNA. And this can change how our genes function, sometimes for, for even generations. Technically, there's a chemical tag after the, an event, a traumatic event, that attaches to our DNA. And it tells the cells to use or ignore certain genes, enabling us to deal with this trauma that just happened. 